Welcome to The Prototype. I'm your host, Coulter Wilson. In today's story, we're talking about motherhood. Today, we're talking to Donna Whitney. Now, Donna, she's like any other single parent. She has her own personal struggles, has to live her life, and she also has to live the life of her son, Dylan Whitney. Now, they both moved here from Vegas, and let's hear their story. My favorite memories are getting up early in the morning with them to um, watch the sun come up. And we lived in Vegas, like uh, just right off of uh, Flamingo, Buffalo area. And so we had a perfect view of it. And we had these sunglasses that we'd like try in all different colors. And he'd go, Oh, look at this color, you know. And I'd put those sunglasses on and, and we'd just switch off glasses until we'd went through all the colors of the glasses or the sun was up. He had a little Sharpay puppy, Pepper, and um, him and Pepper were just like, oh, they're so cute together. I worked at Excalibur. I had been there for 10 years in their gourmet dining room, and um, it was really a great life. Got in an automobile accident, which I um, suffered some injuries and ended up losing my job. Moved back here to Salt Lake, and so we moved back together. That was like... A big culture shock for me. Um, I'd lived in Vegas for 10 years. And even though I grew up here, I um, I always felt like um, Utah was just a little bit too... Well, I didn't fit in right. Because of my accident, I, I did have some injuries. So I um, was... Well, I had become... Uh, I guess addicted to um, pain pills. Pain pills. Pain pills. So now we're going to fast forward. Donna lives here in Utah, here with her son. He's now a teenager. She's cleaned up her act, and she's doing what she can for her son. I had been clean for a year, and I wanted Dylan to be the same, you know? He was getting at, like, I knew, or at least I was thinking to myself, like, I'm only going to have an, an influence on him for a few more years. And even though our relationship with each other was so was really close and loving, I wasn't that good of an example for him. So I really wanted to make that up. He found it. He managed to find his dad. I don't know how, but he did. And um, his dad was in California, so Dylan went to live with his dad in California. They came back to Salt Lake. They were living together, and I was 
living, you know, by myself, going to work in Park City and stuff. And so I had gotten him a cell phone so that I could always be able to get a hold of him. When Dylan called me on his birthday, I went and um, met up with him, and they were staying at this unbelievably disgusting hotel on North Temple called the All Star. That's when I tricked Dylan with me. So I'm like, no way. You are not going to live here. I'm not okay with this. Because I'm sober, you know. And um, so that's when I, I'm like, no, you're with me now, Dylan. So he came with me. But then that's when he started having, like, resentments. His dad sobers up, you know, gets a job, back on top again. And um, Dylan wants to move back in with him. So I'm like, at this point is when I was starting to feel, like, the panic of... He's 15, well, 14, he's almost 15, he's... I've only got a few more years to make a difference, and I'm not about to let his dad come in and and ruin his life. So, okay, so Dylan wants to move back with his dad, and I'm... I said, okay, you can do that, you know, on one condition, I'm moving with you so that I can watch you. Uh, He was still going to West High, he was doing... everything was just really good. And um, one night, and I don't even know why he decided to do this, but him and his friends got an idea, Dylan and his friends, that they were over in Wizards and Dreams and they noticed that one of the windows were broken out. So they thought they'd come back later and break in. So he ended up in DT. By the end of the court hearing, he said, we're going to put you in through this observation and assessment program. So he goes through, he does the observation and assessment program, and he still hasn't been able to come home. This happened in May 5th. May 5th was his arrest. And now it's July, and he's still at day one. You know, we're looking at three months before he can come home. He finishes the assessment program with flying colors. He did the, he got to the highest position you could hold. He helped out other kids while he was there. Um... He just did really well, and I was really proud of him. He, so I'm thinking, you know, he's going to get to come home, and instead, judge the judge said, we're going to put you in a proctor home. In a proctor home. In a proctor home. So Dylan's coming home, and he's getting to go to his dad's on one weekend, and then mine on the other weekend, all right? And... It was Thanksgiving, and his dad had him for Thanksgiving, and they called and asked if they could, if he could stay an extra day. And at first they said no. Well, then the Proctor parent called back and said, I've got approval from your caseworker, your PO, Dylan's PO, that you can, you can stay until Friday afternoon. My ex-husband brought Dylan back on Friday afternoon. Well, drove him to the house. Dylan got out. His dad drove off, but Dylan didn't go into the house. Instead, he met up, went down the street, met up with his friends. Three days go by, and they never reported Dylan AWOL. And on the third day is when Dylan was dead. Dylan was dead. Dylan was dead. Donna says, according to police, Dylan died from head trauma after falling down a set of ten wooden stairs. Dylan was drinking with friends and passed out. They left him there. When Dylan awoke, he was trying to find them when he fell. When they returned, they found him and carried him to the couch where he laid for 12 hours dying. But by the time they called the police, 
it was already too late. And as of right now, the only charges filed in the case are for negligent homicide, for not calling the police. He died of severe head trauma. If it wasn't for his skin holding his head together, it would have fallen apart. Like, like an eggshell. And if he would have lived, um, he wouldn't have been able to walk or walk, read or write. He wouldn't have recognized me. It like affected all those parts of his brain. When I got the autopsy report back, there were no drugs found in his system. No alcohol or drugs. And they did such a an intensive drug screening that they tested the back of his retina, which would would tell you if there was alcohol in his system. And so the story that I got from his friends is a lie. It's not true. And I still don't know what happened to him. At first, I was just in shock that my son was dead. I had, um, I mean, it was, I was in denial that, you know, I just couldn't face it. I couldn't live with it. Um, you know, he was my only child. He was 16. We had our whole life we had spent together, and he was all of a sudden gone, not coming back. And then all of the other stuff started happening, like the Proctor home got shut down. They had a monitorium put over their house. They had found, the state did an investigation and found areas that were not, you know, they weren't doing things right. So they got shut down. They had the kid, the other kids removed from the house. I'm trying to focus on Dylan's life now, not his death. There's still so many questions that are unanswered, but I just, I really, I have to leave that up to the attorneys. Everywhere I go, um, it seems like there's someone who knew Dylan or, you know, had shared a little bit of their lives with him, and I get messages that way. You know, he's like, I just want to know everything about my son's life. I want to know who he touched, you know, who's affected by it, things like that. And it seems like everywhere I go, I run into people who knew him, who was friends with him, who are grieving too. And part of the, one of the neatest things about being in recovery where I'm at is and going through what I've went through is it really is inspiring to a lot of girls. <sighs> like, because of my story, there's a lot of girls that struggle and that are losing their children in this system because of their, you know, choices and 
just by me being there and watching like what I've been through, it's an inspiration to them. And they're, they're like have hope and they can, they can continue doing what they need to do. They've told me and that makes me feel good to think that I could help somebody else through my experiences. that's it thanks for listening you can check us out at www.prototypeproduction.net just click on podcast or you can find us on itunes under the podcast directory we'll see you next time this is the prototype